This is Self Startup. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Self Startup, a podcast that highlights small business owners, the self employed, and freelancers who have taken the plunge to create their own desirable lifestyle. My name is Andy Dowling. I'm also the host of the Andy Social Podcast. I play bass in the Australian metal band Lord, and I'm a dispute resolution specialist. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by following at Andy Dowling, or you can go to selfstarter.com.au where you can learn more about yours truly and anything and everything to do with the small business self-employed or freelancing world. So make sure you go over there and check it all out. This week's episode is with Carly and Tess of The Dog and Monocle in Nara. Yes, that's right. The Dog and Monocle. The Dog and Monocle is a steampunk supper club that's located in the heart of Nara. And I'll let Carly and Tess explain their business um, in great detail because they'll do a much better job than I will. But this is a really cool story about two people that have known each other since they were kids. And the business has been formed off the back of their friendship. And it's just a really, really interesting story. And the overpinning or the philosophy around their business now after being up and running for the past six months is about belonging and the way that they interact on a day-to-day basis and communicate and um talk to their customers is absolutely incredible and really, really exciting. And I think for anybody that is self-employed in any facet, I think you're going to get some really, really cool things out of this episode. So make sure you stick around and listen to this one. It will be uh, right up your alley, I'm sure. As always, you can go to selfstarter.com.au. You can check out all the show notes from this episode, including links to the dog and monocle. Actually, speaking of which, I'll note them right now. So you can find them on Facebook. So go to facebook.com slash dog and monocle, which is D-O-G-A-N-D-M-O-N-O-C-L-E. Or you can find them on Instagram by searching D-O-G-A-N-D-M-O-N-O-C-L-E, dog and monocle. So very easy to find them. Um, they've got a lot of content on there and you can get a real taste of what they're all about. But as always, selfstarter.com.au is the place to go for all of the takeaways, all the information, everything that we discussed in this episode. And uh, if you want to follow up and have further chats with Carly or Tess, you can certainly do so through those channels. Enough of me. Please enjoy this episode with Carly and Tess of The Dog and Monocle. Lots of editing is about to happen. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I've got plenty of time. So I've just started recording now. Um Thank you both for inviting me in early before you kick off your, I guess, normal day of operation. No worries. Yeah, thanks. Um, I guess to get it started and so people that don't know about the business, do you want to introduce yourselves and what the business is? Yeah, okay. Um, so I'm Carly. I'm Tess. Um, so we own the Dog and Monocle. Dog and Monocle is, well, something a little bit different, especially for Nara. We're, um, we're a steampunk supper club. Um, which sort of requires a lot of explanation, we find. And people are happy to talk to us about it. It's lots about sharing. So we want people to, we want to share our space with people and we want people to feel that they can then share the the space with their friends. And and I think our food and our atmosphere reflects that as well. Yeah, the Supper Club um, vibe is about more than just a restaurant. We find people are really getting used to us and exactly how much we interact with our customers Mm. in the restaurant and how much we want them to interact with the space as well. And the steampunk thing just is because we're big geeks and (laughs) um, kind of we find that the vintage geekery allows people to come and enjoy the space without necessarily being geeks themselves. Yep. That's fantastic. And how long has the business been open for now? Six months now. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's it's still new. Like, it's still in its early stages. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it'll ever stop being new for us because we're always coming up with new ideas. So it's like something around the corner always. 
Um, and I think that's really shown through our remarkable events. So we, we run a series of events during the year. Um, some of them we will do every year and some will be more like, oh, we saw something shiny and we liked it. So we decided <laughs> to create an event around it. So um, we're doing Dia de la Moites again this year. Okay. We've got a midwinter feast, um, which will be sort of based around, um, you know, the pagan. Hmm. Um, it'll be during the winter solstice, uh, steam week, most importantly. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So backtracking a little bit, What's both of your backgrounds? So what were you doing before this idea and this concept came into play? Uh, so I've been a chef for 18 years, um, so always been in hospitality. Um, I always wanted to run my own place, but the opportunity never sort of arose. Uh, Tim and I own um, Hop Dog in yep. South Nara, so that has kept us very busy. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much me. And, and I'm sort of a di different kettle of fish altogether. I'm a clinical psychologist. Oh, right. Normally. <laughs> I've never wanted to own a restaurant before. Um, and for me, this is, I mean, the whole dogmonical concept is born out of friendship, really. Mm. Um, so one little girl in kindergarten asking another little girl in kindergarten for a play date and mum's hitting it off. And then that kind of awkward moment at some point in the friendship where I turn to Tess and go, so do you guys like... Uh, play Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> and from there it's kind of like there's no limitations on our friendship and as Tess said you know we're always coming up with kind of new creative things so we're both the kind of personality type where someone says something and the other person goes oh oh yeah that's great we could do that and then the next person goes so that's kind of how it's come about you know that a clinical psychologist and a and a chef ended up building a place together. It's match made in heaven. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I mean, Tess, you've obviously had a lot of experience with the breweries sort of getting a business up and running. But yeah. with this and, I mean, really being conscious of the area, and you mentioned it straight away, it's a bit different for the area. What were the fears or the challenges of getting it up and running or making those first few steps to make this into what it is now? I think a lot of it is, um, again, that... Nara has a, a strong, everyone sees Nara as being a $20 town. If it costs more than $20, Nara is not going to touch it. Um, and, and I think that was probably one of the, the biggest things is, you know, we don't see ourselves price-wise as being unreasonable, but, um, but it's, it's one of those things that um, to make sure that everything we do actually reflects who we want to be, keeping mm. a very strong sense of identity, but ensuring that we can still um, operate and manage in in town yeah they were approachable yeah yeah mm. yeah it's um because it is it is different and it's got that eclectic vibe and and using the steampunk mm. term as well <laughs> um i can only imagine that you know trying to explain this to people in the area and, and the initial getting the word out to to attract business there would have been a bit of that extra explanation to try and get people on board to understand what it's all about. Yeah, it's lucky that Tess and I like talking, really. Um, <laughs> but Facebook, we opened with nearly 2,000 followers on Facebook, so we had a okay, really quite cool. a strong Facebook following before we even opened, which shows, I think, that Nara was ready for something new, something different. They were looking for somewhere to come to um, that was a little bit where they could get dressed up and that they could show you off to their Sydney friends. We find a lot of people do that. They sort of, we've got friends down from Sydney, so, so they absolutely book in. And, and I think that's nice that um, Nara is proud of having an establishment like us, yeah. um, because I think that sort of really shows to us that it, it is something that Nara wants and that we'll continue to support as well. 
And to be honest, it didn't really even occur to us that we were sort of taking a risk or it was like a brave thing to do until everyone told us when we were building it, <laughs> wow, what a brave thing this is for you to do in an area like this. And we went, oh, okay. We just kind of assume that there's lots of people like us out there and it just, <laughs> we were lucky because it turns out that there are. Are you both locals? Have you always been locals or you're from other parts of... I like to always tell the customers that I'll never be as local as Tess because I'm not related to most of Nara. <laughs> Sorry, Tess. It's a very rare evening if I don't know half the restaurant. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Um, whereas, Neil, um, so we're a military background, so we've been yep. in and out of the area for 15 years, um, but I don't think that will ever class us as quite local. Yep. Yes. Okay. And... Leading up to, I mean, you mentioned like having the Facebook page and having a couple of thousand people already there. So you've got a bit of attention already towards the business, but you know, your launch day, your opening night, how did that build up? What sort of, um, <laughs> how, how did you sort of, I guess, going through a lot of the fears of, is this going to be successful? How's that first night going to go? But also just what sort of tactics did you take to sort of get the word out there to get people to, to come along? Um, it was kind of a chaotic approach, to be honest. Uh, we found out that we um, had our licence approved, was it the day before our opening <laughs> oh, night had okay. been scheduled for? So we were, we sort of just crossed everything and hoped for the best. But um, we, I, I guess, having that Facebook following and putting out a few teasers throughout mm. the planning process, through yep. our um, social media, um, gave people a way to connect with the idea. And then... You know, people stopping and talking to us on the street while we were doing the renovations and because we've always been so hands-on, mm. you know, we're the ones out getting products and talking to people as we're getting products. So people kind of knew a bit about our story already um, and were keen to just come and check it out. So, you know, we, we opened with a week's notice for opening night tickets, I think, and we had pretty much a sellout for the opening night, which we were really pleased with in the end. Yeah, I, I think... You know, lots of cool things, you know, um, taping up the windows, you know, everyone's mm. a bit of a sticky beak, so <laughs> everyone likes to have a look, and there was like little cracks in the windows and yeah. uh, that sort of thing. And um, when we had all of our Chesterfields um, couches and booth seats delivered, um, there was sort of moments in time where the like kind of the street was littered with Chesterfields. So, you know, there was, there was lots of people seeing what was going in, um, but couldn't see the whole finished product. So I think that was kind of fun too. Intrigue and mystery. Everyone loves a little bit of intrigue, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. It gets a little bit of buzz going. People yeah. start talking. And, and because it's still... I mean, it's a, it's a large area. There's a lot of people here, but it's got that, that small-town vibe. Mm. And so, and just what was alluded to before, you know so many people in the area. <laughs> um, word gets around, and yeah. so people talk. And so if something's just a little bit different and, and a great... I mean, whether it was a conscious thing to really sort of tape it up and... and or had those little elements of sticky beaking, it's definitely helped push that gossip, push that sort of talk in the area. So it's obviously very effective. Yeah, I think so. I think any time you can sort of um, offer teasers without ever kind of fully delivering, I think that's that's proper clever. Um, people people like a mystery, so which is good because that's that's what we are. Yeah. And so six months in now, how do you are you relying on? return customers or how are you getting yourself out there now and advertising and building sort of that clientele? Um, well, so we do have a lot of sort of loyal return customers and I guess it is building from there because mm. we find that all of our loyal returning customers want to bring all of their people yep. and so they'll come back 
you know, countless times with different combinations of their friends and then their friends come back with different combinations of their friends. Um, we, we're starting to find that with just our, I guess, hit rate and people reviewing on, on various sites that out-of-towners just happen across the dog and monocle mm. more and more frequently, which is really cool. Um, but we're also we're building relationships in the steampunk world as well. Okay. So um, that's been a, a really exciting element for us. So we, um, we offer a display space for cool steampunk okay. artisans, um, people who just generate um, really unusual artwork um, and having those connections those people also say oh if ever, ever down south coast check out this place it's really different and unusual so it's it's that kind of word of mouth is still filtering out there becomes more than just a place to eat and drink it becomes a location it's it's a it's a hub for people of that that have that taste yeah we've we've never been about just a place to eat and drink it's more about the theater than that and and as Tess said with the remarkable events that she mentioned earlier you know that's um you know because we just get so excitable about so many things that's why the next thing you know it's steam week oh and we're going to have tea dueling and parasol dueling and all sorts of other cool bits and pieces and and we've found with all of our events so far that that has been the thing it's more than just coming and having a meal with us you know burns night supper wasn't just about coming and have it having haggis and and mm. scottish fair it was about listening to the bagpipes people getting up and having a go and reading out poetry and everyone singing old lang syne together at the end and it's just <laughs> it, yeah when people come together around something exciting it's really cool what happens we had a long table for the burns night supper as well oh, so cool. um and uh, it wasn't booked by one particular group. It, there was lots of people together. And, and in the end, um, at the end of the evening, when I come come down from the kitchen, there was actually two distinct groups still sitting at the long table uh, who hadn't met before but had come together over this. And they're like, cool, well, next year we'll just have a table for four instead of a table for two. <laughs> um, so I think that's nice too that, you know, creating a space where people actually feel comfortable to then interact with people they don't know because, you know, they're both wearing kilts, so that's a good enough reason to um, to get to come together as any. So I think that's lovely. So it's, I mean, as it stands now, it appears to be more of an organic growth of feeding off the first few people that came in, building that story, building the excitement and, and I guess the unique flavour of what this business is, rather than doing the old traditional I'm going to go and put an ad in the newspaper I'm going to go and try and get on the local community radio and try and do all those old forms of of marketing and advertising you really sort of it's feeding off itself yeah we've we've quite specifically sort of steered clear of that kind of advertising um you know we prefer for people to sort of wander on by and walk in and go well this what what is this and then have that actual conversation with us mm. um about it and I think a lot of that too is actually built from, again, from local business connections and things that we have um, and are developing. Um, and I think that's so important in a town like Nara that, you know, that recognition um, that, oh, hey, how are you doing? Like, mm. I saw you at your shop the other day and like, I love that you've come here as well. And I think that's, um, I'm, I'm sure every town has it, but yeah. I really like the way Nara sort of really comes together and supports each other, um, like, in that sense. Mm. It seems to be... Well, at least it appears to be far more important in more regional areas to have the support of that area mm. rather than being in a city. 
and you sort of I'm sure you still have an element of community in your pockets and and people in that area but I think in regional areas where maybe stereotypically the opportunities aren't as varied yeah. or plentiful that you rely a lot more on the community sort of to really sort of bolster and, and support. Mm. And I think we're lucky in a way because, you know, I guess we're afforded the opportunity that people who get new fresh um, customers in all of the time don't get that opportunity where we actually end up knowing a lot of our regular customers by name mm. and knowing their story and and what they like and and building those relationships, which is, you know, really important to Tess and I. Yeah, it, I think the more you know your community, the more they feel that they actually own part of mm. you as well. And, and I think to, to create a restaurant like this and not want that community feel and to, for people to feel like they too own part of it would be a very... Um, naive thing to do. We had a group in here, um, one of my favourite nights, and we have a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle, um, just because, you know, that's entertaining. Uh, <laughs> and eight of them sat down, and they were here for what, four or five hours? And they just sat here and did a jigsaw puzzle. And that was like, <laughs> it's just that, yeah, let's just do it. And that's cool too. Um, and, and, you know, that they then regularly still come back they don't quite attempt the thousand piece puzzle any longer but that was <laughs> ambitious yes. that was very ambitious <laughs> <laughs> but I think it just highlights that the space is comfortable enough where time can actually stop for a moment mm. I think you know the way that we all function on a day-to-day -day basis we're always sort of looking at the next distract distraction the next shiny thing and to be able to walk into an area where just time just stops and, and that's probably the best example of somebody that's actually willing to sit down for several hours with a, with a jigsaw puzzle, something that can be very tedious, um, but be completely comfortable and just immerse themselves in that. And I think even like time actually almost goes backwards a little bit here yep. in a way. Um, you know, we, we play all of our old sort of pre-war era tunes, 1940s, 1930s, and, and because of that and just the vibe of the place, lots of people take away something different from it mm. um we have lots of older folks in that sort of really connect with it and mm. think that well the dog and monocle must have been built specifically for them but then the younger generation's really connecting with the old school you yep. know manners and and vintage vibes which is cool um uh, tess you mentioned before about other businesses in the area and connections that you that the, this business is building um, what sort of, well, maybe not partnerships, but alliances and agreements and things that you've got set in place with other businesses in the area? Like what sort of, I know obviously with the connection with Hot Dog, yeah. so there's, there's that sort of relationship already there, but do you have other sort of things that you've got in place with other businesses in the area? Um, nothing as formal as that. Um, it's more like the lovely folks down at the Game Cave. You know, um, we, it's not a formal agreement, but we head down and pick up our games. They let us know what new games are in. We ask them to order games in. They come up here for Friday night dinner because who wants to cook on a Friday? Yeah. <laughs> um, we have regular taps on with the guys from Five Barrel in Wollongong. Yeah. Uh, that would probably be our only sort of formal agreement where, where one of our taps is theirs. Mm. Uh, everyone else is, it's, it's more just, it's not even supporting, you know, it, it's certainly not, oh, you came to me, so I have to come to you. No, but it, but no. it's that I know that you, where you're from and, and how's your business doing. Mm. And we can sort of share a little bit in that, like, oh, God, have you had a bit, like a quiet week as well because it's, you know, or 
oh, I saw that you had you did that event and how did that go for you? And then and sort of feeding back through those um, just the opportunities to to see and reflect in an informal way of, of what's working for other people and what the community is asking for as well, I think, and, and through the local business ownership. We can... A bit of um, bit of market research and a bit of emotional support. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. yeah. Um, and and even, you know, just we we get people who are in who know of a musician or mm. um, even just yesterday where we've been looking for for our midwinter feast um, given the connection with nature to do with that we've um, been really keen to find a cause mm. that's really important to our local area to do with the local flora and fauna and we didn't quite know what that was yet we were we had our ideas but we knew that there were other people out there that knew more about mm. it. And we have a lovely gentleman who comes and joins us every week for lunch um, from work who we knew worked in that kind of area. And so just because we know and talk to our customers, being able to sort of go to him and, and now we think we've got a cause on board that is going to be really great to support. So it's that just knowing a little bit about people opens your world up. Yeah, it's amazing what actually is happening in the Shorehaven. And, and once you start asking, it's a really big place and there's some really interesting jobs and, and things that people do and their backgrounds is, yeah. And it's nice to see that, again, that community spirit where everyone's willing to share what they have to like not only better our business, but help, you know, different charities or, or mm. to, to sort of further expose the things that they're interested in as well. And I think it's really nice to see. I think just that power of communication and actually having a conversation with people because I think a lot of us make assumptions we've got prejudices and we look at sort of things and there's all the stereotypes and if you I guess if you open a local newspaper there's always the hot topic of you know the lack of opportunity or an industry shutting down or unemployment and so I think people sort of gravitate towards the negative mm. and probably don't make a lot of effort to dig deeper to see what opportunities are out there so just the simple the simplistic uh, approach of just having a conversation with the people that come in here mm. you've got a wealth of opportunity at your fingertips and then you just discover more and more. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think we even take that approach not only with um, our customers but also with our staff and, and particularly sort of having Carly on board. It's mm. really important to us to have those conversations with our staff so we understand where they're at, where we can help them be and to offer that proper support um, through story time and things. You know, um, we always have like a little moral question of the day sort of thing and <laughs> and I think it's really nice and and to be honest the staff really look forward to it and and it just sort of helps them belong and I think I think that kind of for me sums the dog and Michael up it's belonging yeah um and and that I think that's so important it's really cool so now that you're six months in you've got through some of those initial um, moments of friction and trying to work everything out battling through some fears and then obviously launching and operating and doing really well what's What's the current challenge at the moment? Is there one particular thing or is there a couple of things at the moment where you're sort of going, this is a, not something that's a horrible thing to deal with, but just a challenge of everyday business now that you want to think of it? I mean, it's probably different challenges for Tess and I, given that Tess is sort of in, in the kitchen and constantly, you know, working at the ideas around the menu and, and all of those sort of challenges. Um, and I'm out on the floor. For me, it's time. Um, so... You know, um, when you are so DIY and so hands-on, you know, we uh, we do all of our own graphics and social media. We do all of our own everything. Mm. So pa when part of our success relies on that communication, it means that I'm sort of always out here on the mm. floor 
but there's always those running the business kind of things that have to be done as well. And it's that really, really fine balance between I've, I've got to get out there and interact with yeah. the, the people, which is what we love to do. But I also love that creative side of, you know, planning the next planning the next event and, and putting up new posters for things and, and new social media things. And yeah, just getting all of that in, in line can be just hard to balance the time. And we, we both have young families as well, so. Mother guilt is huge. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so it's like finding that little bit of time to also plan something that's going to be fun for the families yeah. that make this whole thing worthwhile for them as well. So time is a big factor. We um, just speaking of being like, you know, incorporating the kids, they actually had the opportunity to cook for the Nara show too, which was very exciting okay. for them. And, you know, like that's a nice opportunity for them to come and be part of our mm. world and, and that sort of thing. But as far as challenges for me, um, I find myself challenging. Really. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think sort of, again, just time is a big factor and, and always wanting more time, but knowing that any extra time I get would be spent doing this um mm. yeah it's probably just and a little bit of what you said carly with getting stuck in the the operation of it mm. getting so overwhelmed and not even overwhelmed but just uh losing perspective because you're just so uh stuck in the everyday operation of the business and not being able to take a step back and look at the bigger picture and be strategic or innovative and coming up with mm. new ideas opening up the mind for creativity where you're sort of just stuck in the okay we open we work we close all the all the steps that are needed on a day to day basis. I don't think there's ever any fear that Tess and I won't prior, prioritise creative time. <laughs> um, that's just not how we operate. I think we might actually like wither up or something if we weren't <laughs> creating something. Um, it's that almost that zoom lens of constantly zooming in and then mm. zooming back out yeah. again, and yeah. that trying to make your brain still work in that mm. way. Okay, oh, now I'm back doing this, and then. I've got a spare five minutes. Can I use that five minutes productively to do to contact that person and forge that relationship forward? And oh gosh, there's another customer that's walked in the door. Um, you know, all of that sort of thing is, yeah. And with our events, you know, sort of, um, I guess with any event when you plan it, so much time and effort goes into the planning. But by the day, by the time you actually get around to the event, your body is here, but your mind's actually. <laughs> three months down the line for the next event. And, and I think that's probably, with hospitality, you don't always, or I find personally, um, you don't always get to relish in the moment of like, yeah, we created something awesome, um, which is really nice to have Carly on board because she sort of forces me to stop and go like, no Tess, look at the pictures that I took and look at the happy faces and, and um, to provide that feedback from the front of house to back yeah. of house that, you know, people love the way you did those you're doing great things. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's, you know, I think um, for me it's always like, what next, what's next, what yeah. next? But it's really nice to have someone stop you and go, no, no, we did something awesome today. Mm. Like, enjoy the moment. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's really, yeah, that's really nice to have that time to, to stop. <laughs> I'm sure at some point someone's going to get fed up with the fact that we've got a psychologist on board. But for now it's a novelty. Take advantage of it while you can. <laughs> Uh, so speaking of looking ahead, so coming up to the first 12 months of, of business and then beyond, um, what's, on, what's on the horizon? Is it more just building what you have or, are you gonna, I mean, just by what you've both been saying, 
the the creative element's always going to be there. So, are you, do you have ambitious um, plans in the near near future or long future? I think we want to add to what we do. So, mm. um, one of the most important things for us when we opened was, um, and this is just as like an analysis of what we've seen happen with within other um, business or our per- perception of mm. what's happened, and it's. Um, offering too much that you can't actually deliver on. Yeah. And it's been really important to us when we opened our, particularly um, I was an, out the front on the bar then, yeah. um, and that our drinks list reflected what we as humans were mm. able to achieve yeah. with our staff levels. Yeah. Um, and to make sure that we we constantly evolving, but we, can, but we only offer what we can mm. reasonably achieve. Yeah. And so I think we're at a point now where the day-to-day runnings are kind of, it's we know what we're doing it's yep. a process so we're starting to look at introducing things like hopsology where um tim and neil our mm. husbands will come along um they've both got quite an extensive knowledge in uh whiskey yep. and beer Good stuff. Um, so we'll offer <laughs> afternoons where you know we'll taste three whiskeys three beers three you know or we taste everything with rye in it and cool. those sorts of things and and have an afternoon where people can come along and do like some mock trivia and those sorts of things we're looking at introducing a high tea uh, mm. and one of the things we're looking at um at, at having is you know sort of more of those hens afternoons where we can actually make a cocktail with the group and then they can sit and have have um, a meal with us mm-hmm. so I think more sort of bite size events will be in our as, as well as our regular bill of events um, just some some bite size and just looking forward to you know knowing what is happening you know that oh we've done this this one before we actually have everything already sorted out in our mind for it. We're not doing it for the first time, which I'm sure will be tempered by very quickly us going, oh, yeah, but we could do something else as well. <laughs> we could make it better. Not yeah. short of an idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's, let's do the, <laughs> this and expand on it. Um, yeah, so that's, that it's, it's going to be really good to just see things tick over into a known place. It's cool. It's exciting. I mean, even just, I mean, from the outside looking in, just to see that, this is far more than just your traditional place to eat and drink and that's it. And just even going down the path of workshops or little afternoon events or um, sort of private gatherings where people can do something for an event and just having all these additional options and then having a space for art or people that are interested in a particular topic or an interest or whatever that might be. So the possibilities are endless. Mm. It's exciting. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's awesome to actually be, be running something like this. This is, um, yeah, because it's only limited by our creative, creativity. And um, it's all about pushing boundaries and being creative and doing what makes us happy. And I think if you look around the restaurant, if you look at our events, it's really just kind of like looking inside Carly and I, mm. because this is ours. This is us. It's mm. just us in a textile form. It's fantastic. Well, I'll I'll let you get back to setting up for the day, but um, thank you both so much for your time, and I'm looking forward to seeing, I don't know, what the next six months, next 12 months, next five years looks like. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks, everyone. I really hope you enjoyed that chat with Carly and Tess of The Dog and Monocle. If you want to reach out to them and check out more of the business, you can go to both Facebook and Instagram and search for Dog and Monocle, D-O-G-A-N-D-E. M-O-N-O-C-L-E. As always, you can go to selfstarter.com.au, click on the show notes where I will not only have the links to the Dog and Monocle, but everything that we spoke about in this episode, including, and I'll get to right now, the key highlights and takeaways from this episode. So if you were taking notes 
from this chat. No doubt you would have got more than four ideas or insights or takeaways from that episode. But for me, there's four clear standouts, which I really got excited about. And if I miss anything in the show notes or in these uh, in these points here, please let me know. Please contact me. I'd love to be able to highlight uh, additional things in upcoming blogs or podcasts. So make sure that you contact me and let me know what you think. Now, my four things. Number one, this is very specific, and I don't know how intentional it was at the time, but the way that Tess explained it, it sounded like there was a bit of a method to the madness. But the taping up of the windows prior to the launch of the business, while they were fitting out the building, fitting, fitting out their store, store sounds so bland, fitting out their business, uh, they had plastic covering the windows. But they allowed little areas of plastic to be opened up so people could glimpse in and get a peek into what they were doing. Whether people actually understood what was going on or not, there was enough mystery and enough of an opportunity for people to be intrigued where word would get out. People would start talking to say, look, I walked past that building and peeked in and I've got no idea what's going on in there, but wow, that looks really, really cool. I can't wait for that thing to open so I can go and check out and discover what it's all about. So a really cool tactic, especially if you've got a bricks and mortar store that you want to open up. But even if you're online, I'm sure there's a way that you can drip feed information, hype something up, give little teasers or little glimpses into something that's upcoming, whether it be an event or a product or a service, or even your business as a whole. I'm sure there's a way that you can build hype by incrementally, you know, adding um, little teasers along the way, which will no doubt get people excited and uh, you'll have a better response when it comes to the opening day or the opening launch of whatever that thing is that you're about to uh, unleash to the public. The second thing is the connection with steampunk. Now, I'll be completely honest, I know bugger all about steampunk. It looks cool, aesthetically it looks amazing, um, and inside the dog monocle, if you ever get to go in there, please do, the ambience and the vibe is really, really cool. So for me, I'm intrigued, even on standing on the outside looking in and not understanding a great deal about that uh, that community. But what Carly and Tess have done is they've really tapped in and embraced the steampunk community by bringing people in and making the Dog and Monocle part of that community. So not only are they allowing a space within the Dog and Monocle for art to be, to be displayed, but the wider community are actually using the Dog and Monocle now as a landmark, as a place for people to go. So in other words, if you're down the South Coast or you're in the Nara area, make sure you stop by the Dog and Monocle if you're into steampunk. So not only are you tapping into the local community and getting them excited and, and interested in what you're doing, but you're tapping into a niche, into a group of like-minded people that share a similar passion. And as soon as you tap into something like that, that's where you get loyalty. And I think that's a fantastic thing that they've done. And no doubt that will increase and give them more and more business uh, down the track as well. Now, the third thing that I've got here is the games element. I've seen a number of, uh, especially in hospitality, a number of businesses that are starting to implement board games and card games and things like that to get people engaged and get people hanging around for longer and obviously, you know, spending money, but more importantly, feeling comfortable in the area. And it's cool to see the dog and Monocle do this. They've got a little bit of a, a thing with the, the game cave in Nara where they get all their games from and the guys at game cave let them know when uh, new games are available. And they also had the guys from Game Cave come in and have dinner once a week as well, which is a great local business connection there. And it's awesome to see that there's a place that people can go, have a couple of drinks, and just forget about everything for a few hours. I mean, the example that they said about the thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle and having a number of people sitting around that and just working on that for four or five hours is just really, really cool. And I think that lends to the atmosphere and the comfort that people are getting from going to the Dog and Monocle. So really, really cool idea, and it's obviously working really well for them. 
The fourth thing that I've got, and this is a really important thing, this is the connection that they have with their customers. Now, I don't know about you guys, but for me, and I'm sure there's many people out there that are in the same boat as me, as you're dealing with day-to-day -day business, you're dealing with customers, you're dealing with people that you've got agreements with, a lot of the time we're focused so much on the transaction. We're focused on us supplying that person with whatever they've paid for, uh, fulfilling an agreement and making sure that we close off that deal and making sure that person is happy and they get what they're after. But what we probably need to do a little bit more is actually have a conversation with people, <laughs> you know, ask them some questions that might not be related to what, what the job is at hand and just understand a little bit more about their story, what they like, what they don't like, because you just never know. Not only are you building rapport with this person where they'll be more inclined to come back to you again in the future because you've taken that personal approach with them, but you never know. There might be an opportunity there where something can come out of that conversation where you find out that person has a background in something or is affiliated with something or has particular skills or something that you might actually be searching for. And the example that Carly mentioned where they were looking for a cause to link in with for an upcoming midwinter feast um, to do with flora and fauna and having a few ideas but not really knowing where to go, having this customer that was coming in each week for lunch and from having conversations with this person and chatting to them and understanding their story and who they are, they realized that this person was linked in to the area that they were looking for. And as a result now, it looks like they've now got a connection and a cause that they've got as a part of their midwinter feast that will be coming up later in the year. So that's just all from having a little bit of extra time to have a conversation and just dig into your customer and just get to know them a little bit more. So really, really cool. Such a simple concept of just talking to people, but we tend to forget about it when we're just flying through our day-to-day -day operation and uh, getting immersed in just trying to fulfill an order or a deal or a contract or an agreement or whatever it might be. So um, something to take away there. Very small, but very effective. There were heaps of other things there. I'm going to put a bunch of stuff over in the show notes over at selfstarter.com.au. All right, folks, before we wrap up this episode, I want to say a big thank you to everybody that's been supporting the Self Starter podcast and blog over the past several months. For me, personally, this has been such an eye-opener. I've learned so much about being self-employed, owning your own business, being a freelancer, and all those little tips and tricks and reassurances that have been absolutely huge from these amazing business owners that I've had on the podcast so far. And yes, while I will continue to highlight the Shoalhaven region from where I'm from, over the coming weeks and months, I will start to branch out into every little nook and cranny, every corner of this big country of ours. So if you're a small business owner, you're self-employed, or you're a freelancer from any part of Australia, please get in contact with me. It doesn't matter whether your story is small or otherwise, I'd love to hear from you. And quite possibly, I might get you on the podcast at some stage down the track. So please reach out to me, go over to selfstarter.com.au, check out the previous episodes of the podcast, go and read some of the blogs and make sure you reach out to me and let me know what you think. All right, guys, until the next episode, take care and we'll speak soon. Bye-bye.